Welcome back to Inspired Leadership. My name is Tyler Bailey and I'm here with Susan Power. Here is where we try to unravel and discover what it means to be an inspired leader or what it means to to witness or be a part of inspired leadership. We hope you really enjoy the podcast. And if you do like this cast, please like it, subscribe to it. Every little bit helps. Today, we are talking with Riddlebucks, bringing joy back to work by getting feelings back into business. Riddlebox was formed eight years ago by Jeremy Moore and Dr. Ram Ragvan. Their thesis is how people feel is more important than what they think. And that is... Feelings drive exceptional performance. People have said, but you can't measure feelings. Quite on the contrary, though, you can, and they have been for many, many years. Riddlebox operates, currently operates in 53 countries and in 23 different languages. I'd like to have welcome to the podcast, the co-founder of Riddlebox, Jeremy Moore. Welcome. Hi there, and thank you for having me. Hey, yes. Uh, it's absolute pleasure. We were talking a little bit before about where you're from. Well, I'm, I'm in this lovely dormitory town, a, a cosy place um, outside London called Henley-on-Thames. Any of you who have been to England will know the Thames is a fantastic river. It's an artery through the heart of the country, and I'm fortunate enough to live there. Yeah. Not in Henley, though. In Henley, not the whole Thames, just the Henley bit. Yeah. You're, you're mentioning that you went skydiving as well. You're mentioning this is something that, <laughs> that you've, uh, you didn't want to do initially, but now you've been on a crazy amount of jumps and please could you please tell us why you started and why do you continue to do this terrible thing to yourself like i suppose it's a it's a it's a weak answer but to say uh, to imp- to impress a woman um, <laughs> <laughs> i know i know it's a great answer <laughs> <laughs> i thought you might say that susan i know it's a, sh- it's a shallow answer but i i, I met a, a lovely blonde portuguese woman seven eight years ago now and uh, and she is a skydiver. I've been doing it twenty years, and so um, to impress her, I I took up the sport, uh, though I didn't want to. And uh, she's now been my wife for three and a half years. Uh, so it worked, guys. You got to you've got to <laughs> you got to swallow your pride and have a go at these things. Uh, it, it's worth it in the long run. No, it, it, not joking aside. I I, I wasn't a natural. Um, I was good enough to pass my qualifications and that, but I found it nerve wracking as hell. So. Well, Jeremy, wanna... Jeremy, if you're willing to jump out of a plane for a woman, that that must be love. And it, uh, <laughs> that's a good starter, isn't it? I, I got to ask you, uh, leadership. We talk a lot about moving out of your comfort zone, and I'm just curious: has skydiving taught you anything about about leadership and moving out of your comfort zone to do something like that? Uh, that that's actually uh, quite a that, that's a good question because I'm I'm a great believer. Um, that you you should model the behavior you want back and so if you're if you're leading and you want people to challenge the status quo challenge the norms to think differently to 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 sort of scare themselves a little bit you've got to demonstrate that you're prepared to do it you've got to you've got to really and i I know i'm repeating myself here but you have to model the behavior you want back because if you don't do that how can you expect other people to do it for you Mm. Yeah. yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Well, that kind of leads into a question we ask all of our guests, Jeremy. What does inspired leadership mean to you? I, I'll give you one. Uh, when I did my MBA, um, oh, nearly 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 twenty years ago, um, I, I'm not somebody who has sort of a load of heroes and a, a load of people I, I call upon as sort of inspirational leaders. I have a couple, but I was there seeing my MBA, and uh, they played a, a videotape this guy called Herb Keller, 
um, the chairman, chief executive of the Southwest Airlines, as it was then. I don't know if he's, what, he's, what he does now. And he's a hard-drinking, uh, hard-smoking Texan. Uh, he ran <laughs> Southwest Airlines. And he said, let me just destroy a few myths for you. Uh, one of them is that the customer comes first. He said, no, it doesn't. My customer could be, uh, could be an alcoholic. It could be a terrorist. It could be a drug addict. My team, my employees come first. And as soon as he said that, I, my ears pricked up. I thought, well, here is a guy who's telling it as it is, not what people want to hear. He's telling it as it is. And um, he became a hero of mine. I and mean, I thought that he was inspirational because he, he kicked down the doors. He, he um, leapt over every single barrier that they put in his way uh, to fly uh, budget airlines in the US. And they had the fastest turnaround time, one of the highest success records, uh, safety records. Uh, so that was inspirational where somebody spoke from the heart, not the head. So I suppose the actual answer to your question is inspiration comes from the heart, not the head. And that builds trust so quickly because it's so rare. And when a leader speaks the truth, people just stop in their tracks and they think, okay, I can believe what comes out of the mouth of this leader. They're not just blowing smoke that, <laughs> that you know, what they're saying is true. And it, it gets people to take action and, and follow them, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Susan, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, the two biggest things and the two, two part of these things we measure is trust and empathy. If you've got those two things nailed, you can pretty much do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people trust you and, you, and, they, and, they, and they feel that you get them and that you're empathetic, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can leap mighty buildings and stop a speeding bullet and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd love to start getting into what exactly Riddlebox does and why is business culture so important to, I, I guess, the organization's overall success and the employee's? Yeah, uh, like any good politician, I'm going to answer them in the in reverse order, just sure. to, to wrong foot you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is culture? It's that invisible glue that holds us together. It's that kind of belief system. It's all those thoughts which are bound together with feelings. Be that your local church, be it your um, sports club, or your business. Um, culture. I mean. I, it's Harley Davidson of a great line, which I love, which is if I had to, if I had to explain, you wouldn't understand. Uh, and I think culture is a bit, culture is a bit like that in that it's never consistent. It's never one thing. Um, Susan, you must know this because, you know, the, the sort of people you deal with, it, it must vary all the time. But we, but we all know it's incredibly important. And we all, we've all, I guarantee you, there's not a listener to this podcast who hasn't at some stage felt yeah, this is the place I want to be. Yeah, this is something else. This is this is good. And that's what culture is. It's that invisible glue that binds us and can inspire us or put us off because you can have negative culture as well as positive. Now, Riddlebox, the short answer to what we do is we measure experience. It could be customer experience, brand experience, leadership experience, or employee experience. It doesn't really matter. What we say in our blurb is what how you feel is more important than how you think. Now, let me explain this. Neuroscience has taught us that any decision you make, your decision to invite me onto this podcast, my decision to come onto it, is a feeling justified by logic. We know this from uh, the case in 1848 of Phineas Gage, who was working on the railroads, and a, an explosion drove a steel bolt, steel pole through his skull, separating the, separating the frontal cortex of the brain from the amygdala, amygdala at the back of the brain, where the emotions are, uh, emo- the emotional mm-hmm. processing center of the brain. Now, Phineas survived, had a hell of a headache, but he survived. (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, he survived another 12 years, but he went through a huge personality change. And he could pass logic tests, you know, a series of numbers. One, two, three, he went four, five, six. Pairs of letters, A is to B as C is to D. Okay, Phineas, do you fancy, uh, do you fancy a Chinese takeaway or a curry takeaway? Oh, don't know. Uh, do you want red wine or white wine? Don't know. He mm-hmm. couldn't make a decision. He could follow sequences, but he couldn't make a decision. Mm-hmm. And that's the scientific proof that any decision is a feeling first justified by logic. So mucking around here, um, Susan, I don't know what time it is there. Do you fancy red wine or white wine? Definitely red wine. Definitely red wine. Uh, oh, haven't you heard that the, 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 the red wine you love? Uh, three people have got food poisoning from it, uh, so drink poisoning from it yesterday. And they only had one glass and they've been termin- uh, they're violently ill. No, I didn't hear that. Are you sure you want red wine? I'll take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, see, if, maybe not this time of day. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my point is that is to say, no, the white's cheaper or the, the whites are two, two for the price of one is not the best argument to, to, to try and hit some emotion that, that changes how you feel is the best way to try and uh, change your decisions. Yeah, I got you. Uh-huh. Yeah, and when, when I think of culture, I just think of walking into a workplace and seeing the type of artwork they have on the wall, yeah. if, if employees are laughing, what people are wearing, and you can feel it it's like as soon as you walk in. And it's hard to put words to it sometimes, but there's clues. And it's very different from one organization to another. But you get a feeling whether it, it resonates with you or not, you get a good or bad feeling when you walk into a workplace. Yeah, like when you walk into somebody's house, sometimes you feel, Ooh, I don't know what that was, I don't really like it. And others just think, I know I'm going to like it here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, and, and you're, you're right, the clues are always around you. I'm, I'm always suspicious of companies that uh, bang on so much about their culture because it's you know um if you've got to tell me so much it's because you're not really sure yourself is kind of how i look at that what do you suggest jeremy for how an organization can go about changing their culture if they feel that it's not really reflective of their values and where they want to be as an organization two things i think everything everything orbits around purpose I think far too much work is done on strategy and these very clever things. And you, you go to any business school, how many lectures, how many seminars, how many books are there on purpose? And you look at the thousands and thousands that are on strategy. Yet all the research tells us, all the research tells us that the highest performing teams have a clear purpose. Um, when it was announced that they're going to put a man on the moon and return him safely within 10 years, and they did it in nine. It, 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 it changed the culture of NASA. It bound the whole place together. Uh, the, the famous story of the janitor when asked by Harvard professors what you do here, and he said, I'm helping land a man on the moon. That, that one. The most mm-hmm. successful maternity ward in the UK is to deliver a healthy baby in a mother's arms within 12 hours. It's so clear even the hospital cat knows it. Mm-hmm. And do you need to engage all the employees to figure out that purpose or should that come directly from the CEO and founder to here's our vision and, and then employees get behind it? Um, that's not as easy an answer as you think. Because, <laughs> because if you make the announcement, then you draw people who like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you the, the negative of that, if I sort of announce that's the purpose and people people feel it's imposed on them, well, they're never really going to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So 
it kind of depends on your starting point and circumstances um but it should be something that everybody gets that uh, it runs through that everybody you, you here's a challenge to you here's a challenge to every single listener go into your company go back to your company and ask three people you meet randomly do you know what the purpose of this organization is i guarantee you won't get three consistent answers if you get and i'd be surprised if you get one answer that's right mm-hmm. yet we know it's this isn't rocket science we know that's a key driver of performance um, Riddlebook started eight years ago. At we um, we hit it off uh, early on with uh, Hilton Hotels in the UK, and we the first thing we did was work on purpose. This is just for the UK piece uh, outside London, uh, and then we went on to measuring experience. And they went from I can't read I can't divulge the financial numbers, but they went from a very poor performance to a very credible performance, and they went from nowhere to the eighth best company in the UK uh, to work for within two and a half years. And it's all around purpose and how people felt. And every single, I could send you videos of this before and after. And every single person randomly uh, in the organization knew the purpose of the organization. Hmm. So would you say that that is a good place for a an organization to start? Do you think that they should start asking the purpose, understanding the purpose, and then start driving that? It, it is exactly it's exactly where you should start. I sometimes get asked um, uh, by people who want to do a startup, um, they say, well, and I, I want to do a startup. I want to do this thing. What advice have you got for me as a as a startup guy, a startup business? Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, what advice would you give me? And you know, everybody says the same thing, which is not what I'm about to say. <laughs> oh, um, it's all about sales. It's all about sales. It's all about sales. It's about you know. That's what they tell everybody. It's about you know. Um, it's not. If you love what you do so much that your friends will work for you for free, your friends will give up their time, they'll give up their weekends, they'll give up their evenings to help you out because your vision, your purpose is so strong. Before you get any sales, will your friends come and help you for free? I love that litmus test. I've experienced a little bit of of that as a new startup myself. I've had... Uh, different local students and new graduates reach out to me and say, I'll work for you for free, Susan, because I believe in this vision of inspired leadership and I like what your company is trying to do. I'll give you my time. And I have a philosophical uh, – that doesn't sit right with me. I don't like taking people's time for free because I'm not a nonprofit. But it Mm -hmm. tells me that they really do like the vision and they buy into this inspired leadership concept. I, I couldn't. Uh, that's exactly my point. But the fact that they're willing, that, that they, they buy into your vision, they buy into your purpose so much, then you go and get sales. Mm-hmm. Not, not the other way around. It's funny. A lot of companies don't do that. Like if you figure out your purpose and then you realize, okay, employees don't know what it is. Our culture is not supporting this purpose. What do you do then? Like once you have your purpose in place, how do you start implementing and changing your culture? Um, I think um, the, the the one follows the other because when when you I mean it's like the whole Simon Sinek thing you start with why you start with emotions. Um, how do you change the culture? I, I think if you if you know where you're going, you know why you're doing it, and you have your values set out, I think it kind of becomes self-selecting. Just like you said, when you walk into uh, a building, that the, the paintings, the stories, you kind of know this is where I belong, but also you might know this is where I don't belong. Mm. And I, I think I think culture is one of those things that it should emerge from everything else. It shouldn't be where you start. 
Jeremy, uh, you were saying culture is a thing that needs to emerge. Um, one thing that uh, I deal with a lot is trying to prepare students for the next stage, is trying to get them to be effective leaders now so that they can know where and when to apply it. Um, how do you think we can we can make more effective leaders and get them ready for the workplace or get them ready for kind of a culture that is not really, maybe it's more, it's more, what's the word I'm looking for? It's more toxic than, than helpful. How can we prepare people for that kind of, that kind of world? Well, if I, if I understood you correctly and you're a student, you've just graduated and you want to set out and you've got great big dreams and visions, but you can't really start there. So you've got to, you've got to, you got to learn your trade in the company and you might have to go and join a business and go through the management training course or whatever it is. You got to do, you got to, you got to do some, you got to tread the boards. You've got to put some miles on the clock. You've you got to right. learn how to use Excel and how to communicate and PowerPoint and meetings and all that kind of stuff before you can then inspire. Learn the fundamentals. And you talked, Jeremy, about trust and empathy and feelings, the feelings part being so important. That is something that is kind of a, a question mark in my head. How, can you tell me a bit more about how Riddlebox helps with the feelings part of it? It sounds like that's part of the what what you offer with, with that service yeah. and product. Stories. Stories. Okay. They're incredibly important. If I, if you're talking to one of your students and you say, uh, well, Peter, you should do this. The word should instantly puts ego in the way because as soon as the self feels threatened, ego gets in the way. Why, why should I? Maybe I don't want to. I'm slightly uncomfortable. Never say, Peter, just, just stay there and say, hold that thought. You remind me of somebody. You remind me of this guy five years ago, not dissimilar to you. I'll tell you what he did. He went, and he, he, went, he went back to college and he, and, he, and he went back on this little short course and he learned this new skill. And then with that skill, it escalated. One thing led to another and his curiosity brought him over here. And suddenly I think this is a really interesting story. I want to be like that guy because that avoids ego. Telling stories avoids ego and we can take from that story the bits we want. So telling people, I want the culture to be collegiate, be collegiate is not really going to help. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not going to help. I, Come on, guys, get on better. <laughs> you know, it isn't going to help. But tell stories, tell dreams. Um, enjoy indulgent time where you – do you know what? I tell you, let, let, me, let me help answer this. A friend of mine sailed around the world in what was called the uh, British Telecom Global Challenge. You probably haven't heard of it. But they take 14 identical boats with amateur crews, and they sail the wrong way around the world. And the research they found – was the, the teams that did the best were not the teams that cracked on, got on with the tasks straight away. The teams that did the best were the ones that said, well, let's go down to, uh, let's go down to the local Starbucks. Let's go, down to the, the, let's go and find a table in a, in a bar somewhere and just sit in the corner and, and talk amongst ourselves. What's important to us as people? What are, what are, what are the things, in, you, know, you know, is being... Late for a meeting, okay. Is having a mobile phone on a meeting, okay. Is being smart, being scruffy. But what, what kind of defines us? What, what are the rules of this tribe, if you like? And the teams that kind of worked on the culture first and, oh, sorry, the purpose and the, this, these soft skills were the ones when it came to the task, did the best. That's fascinating wow. because they really all got on the same page first and then they were able to their performance improved if they were, you're saying they were the top winning team that, that had that initial 
bonding experience at Starbucks to kick things off. Yeah, I, I, I like the term. These are what we call critical non-essentials. You know, the essentials that we make a profit and we get the task done. The critical ones, the, the critical left field factors are that we respect each other, that we listen to each other, that we value each other's contribution. Mm. But, um, you know, I may not be the best at sailing boats and navigating and cooking. But you know what? I can stitch and sew the sails when they tear better than anybody else. You know, I, I really love that. It, it reminds me of this TED Talk by, uh, by Tom Wujek, and he talks about how um, you probably heard of it, and you've probably done it. It's where you build the spaghetti tower, and uh, you have – it's all about how people work together and which – what uh, the group dynamic of working together on a, on a task that you just have no real idea how to do. And it brings out these three types of people. It brings out the expert, the organizer, and the experimenter. And if you have those three in your group – it, uh, it, your group flies. But what's so funny is it doesn't actually touch on if you discussed, you know, how, how are we, how's our culture here going to work? You know, how is this little group going to, going to interact with each other? It's funny because too many people, I think, spend too much time jockeying for power and they don't actually get on the task, but it, that's okay. I guess if you're, if you're working out the culture in the back before you set you set out for sale, let's say. And Tyler, yeah. I, I think if you have those conversations, I mean, it seems so rarely done, but if you have those conversations and you know what matters to your team members, I can just imagine the communication would flow so much easier and the conflicts should be reduced because, you know, John values, you know, candid feedback regularly and Jane really values a sense of humor as part of the team. And then you, you can communicate based on how your team wants to work. I'm I'm, re I'm reminded of I think it was Mark Twain who said, "I'm sorry I wrote you such a long letter. I didn't have time to write you a short one." And <laughs> that, that. To me, that to me nails it. Is you know actually we've got to take time, just as you said, Susan, to under take a bit of time to understand each other because I might think I'm being you know a jolly British you know forthright chap, and you might think I'm being a bit of a bully and not listening to you. You know, Tyler might think um, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, you might. And, and 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 but I but I didn't. And I, rather than sort of find out why, you say, well, because you you know you, you come barging in, you don't ever let me speak further. Or oh, sorry, I I just know how to do this. I thought I was trying to be helpful. I thought I was trying to save us time. Yeah, you did that, but you didn't let me contribute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler. I didn't realize. And you see what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you've got to find. And when we know that, then it, once we've taken the time, if you like, to write this long letter. We can then communicate with short ones because I know to handle a meeting a certain way. Tyler does too. Susan, you do too. Because we don't have to reinvent every single meeting because we know how it works. We know how we communicate best. You're reminding me of an article I read in The Atlantic about this leader who decided he needed to be a better listener. So he'd go to every meeting and intently listen to his team. And they were all freaking out because he looked so serious and his facial expression was so stern. And finally, one of the team members that reported to him uh, confronted him and said, what's wrong? Like, you know, you've got us all on edge. you got this look on your face in all the meetings. And he was merely trying to listen <laughs> more actively. And it had the opposite effect of what he intended. Yeah, but that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Communication is not what you do. It's response you elicit. So he mm -hmm. thought he was communicating listening. Actually, what he was, was what, what he was 
what he was communicating was a forensic analytical judgment. Jeremy, if you if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? Trust myself sooner, respect quicker, and listen. Walk us through why why those. I I think the trouble in the Western world is we are so obsessed with being correct that we lose the we 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 forget to be effective you know it's all about doing the right thing um it's all about addressing people the right way um you know frankly i don't care what anybody calls me as long as they respect me um and it to sort of trust my intent and to trust my where i'm coming from I suppose I'm trying because I failed badly at school and I and I sort of overcompensated and then went back to university and the rest of it. I, I spent quite a, you know probably the first day a decade of my working career um, trying to sort of make up for lost time and be right about stuff, and that stopped me listening, and um, and it, it, it probably I probably didn't pe- treat people as well as I intended to. I, I didn't mean I was nasty, but. Um, Again, it comes from trust your heart before you think about your head. That so sounds I, like, sorry, go ahead. So if it had to be one piece of advice, it would be trust your heart before you worry about your head. That sounds like a really valuable piece of advice to learn early on in your career. And I imagine it must have shifted your whole approach to work and life going forward. Well, it did. And that's when I left my career in the, in the city because I suddenly, I suddenly felt a fraud. I suddenly thought, you know, I'm, I've, you know, I paid off my mortgage uh, and my house, uh, and I'm in my, my mid thirties, and already had a second house. I was, you know, doing quite well financially, uh, but I just, it just, it didn't sit well with my values, because um, I think every human being, we orbit around our table of values. Um, that's, Absolutely, that's, they change, they evolve as you as you go through life. I find. But at Riddlebox, we, we have a, a unique psychometric, which works on exactly that three-dimensional model of the brain. That In the middle is your, like the middle of a Rubik's Cube, is your values. And, um, you know, everyone's familiar with left and right brain, but we say there's also front and back. You know, front is your, you step forward to take risk, you take step back to be cautious. You have top and bottom brain. You know, off the top of my head, I think you should do this, but my heart's telling us that, bottom brain. So we... Our psychometric metric is a three-dimensional uh, model round round the values in the middle, and I think um, uh, and I think education is uh, certainly in the UK is driving people more and more to getting the right answer rather than involving enough emotions. Mm, definitely, uh, Jeremy. What's the best way for people to find out more about Riddlebox online? Um, our website. Uh, uh, www.riddlebox.co.uk um, email me jeremy at riddlebox.co.uk um, youtube if you go into youtube and search for uh, riddlebox for leaders who care uh, you'll find that oh, i think there must be 15 or 20 videos on us there now um, and if you're in the uk just let me know and we'll meet up for starbucks that's fantastic uh, just curious do you have an office in north america or is it uk based uh, we and actually, that's a good question because we are we're currently in the UK um, and we are looking to find partners uh, in in around the globe. Actually, um, we've signed three: uh, one in India, uh, one in the UK, and one in 
uh, near Texas. Um, we're looking to find people who can, as you say, be be, be partners um, around the globe uh, using our basically our, ex- our experience tools in in companies they know. Really, you know, companies will say, "Oh, yes, we do engagement surveys. We do, we do these kind of things." And I say to them, "Well, how many questions are there? Oh, they have sixty or seventy. Well, there's a clue there." And no one's going to answer that properly. <laughs> then they go, well, well, how often do you do it? We run it once a year. You ask once a year how many people engage in your... <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if I'm leading a witness to a really obvious conclusion here. But when we measure experience, it's just 11 questions around five constructs. And that's trust, loyalty, empathy, satisfaction and commitment. And then it's not a weighted average. It's a complex ma- mathematical algorithm around that relationship which if people want to get in touch with i can i can it's it it wouldn't work on a podcast to explain i can send something and the key thing is we always say well the big thing for everybody at the moment is 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 um is well-being mental well-being yeah um and that if you can't nail that you're in trouble and that starts with i think an aggregate score of how people feel in your business and that's what we do very cool hey and welcome back if you do like this cast, please like it, subscribe to it, every little bit helps, share it with your friends, give us feedback if you can, we're on LinkedIn, Tyler Bailey or Susan Power. If you can, let us know where you want to see the show go or what you want to see discussed, give us some ideas, we're up for anything. We hope you enjoy this podcast as much as we do making it. Until next time.